there's very few businesses that are solo operators out there that actually grow to kind of significant levels. You're always gonna be capped at a certain level if you do everything yourself. One of the big areas of leverage is bringing on team members, hiring new staff, getting people to take some of those things off of your plate so you can focus on the highest value activities so you can really grow your business. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. Heather, it's so great to be here once again. You got to mix it up. No, I need to be the same every time. Every single time. Yes. Well, I guess I am people too. People get used to that. But then I complain about it every time. So there we go, right? Yeah. Well, m most people, you know, or most shows out there, mm -hmm. they have the same exact formula every time. Like if you look at CSI or NCIS, any of those type of shows, it's the same exact formula. But it's the same words. But anyways, what are we talking about today? <laughs> well, today we are talking about what is possible in your first year of land flipping. Exciting topic, I think. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that too. Like I knew the next words. It is though, because a lot of people think, okay, I'm going to get started. But like, what does the first year look like? Mm-hmm. Yep. And we're going to tell them. We're going to yeah. show them what it, look, it could it can, look like. It can look like a lot of different things mm -hmm. to a lot of different people. So uh, we're going to kind of first go into what specifically our first year in land flipping looked like, specifically my first year. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you were you were there for encouragement for me, but absolutely, you weren't doing a lot of the day-to-day -day deals and stuff like that. I think so. I've sent the wires from the beginning, maybe. Oh, you did. Yeah. You've always been the money. You're in charge of the money. But not so. um, every deal. Well, actually, you were smart enough to know that with my personality, that's probably not the best thing. What to be to be sort of the like. I mean, yes, we we talk about each deal for, mm -hmm. to some extent, right? Mm -hmm. But you're not like, should we do this one? Should we not do this one? Oh yes, yeah. I don't bring you in on those decisions anymore, no. unless it's a unless it's a thing where I'm I really think you know where I'm torn. Right. And then in those cases, you probably say it's probably not the best deal anyhow if you're torn on it. Right. So she just remind me of some of those things that I already mm -hmm. know, I think, sometimes. But um, when we were on a walk yesterday, someone's randomly stopping and talking to something about that. And you said, um, what did you say that not brave, like something about to do the deals? What was it that you said? Hmm, I don't even know. You said something like, because it's land is so misunderstood. Mm. And you said that maybe it, you know, you're. Brave enough to do not brave. It wasn't the word brave. It was like something the guts to the guts to pull the trigger on a deal. Yes, yes. That's it. First of all, I hate that saying. By the way, to yeah, pull the trigger, that's horrible. But that was exactly it. And the person was like, "I don't know." And I was like, "No, that's exactly it." Because my personality would be like, "But what?" You know? Yeah, a lot of a lot mm -hmm. of investors kind of get caught in that phase. You know, like mm -hmm. they are pretty sure it's a deal, but they don't actually go for it. So mm -hmm. you actually have to take risks. You know, in order to get those rewards. So right. And if your personality is kind of like mine, where you're more cautious and um, negative sometimes, mm -hmm. then I think the it, the thing to kind of fix that or to work through that is facts. Facts don't lie. You can bring as much of the details of each transaction and then you can make an educated, I mean, everything's a gamble. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. like if we're looking at that, but what's the saying we always do is that we do informed decisions, educated guesses. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not speculating. Right. So. There's actually a saying we do, but now I can't, for, I can't remind it, but I can't remind it. I can't remember it. <laughs> okay. But it's about if you have all the information then you're making an educated... Well, it's an investment rather than, a, than Thank speculation. You. Thank you. An investment, yeah, that's exactly it. Exactly it. So, I mean, there's risks and everything, but if maybe if that's your personality or if you have a partner that's like that, that's kind of... The more information you can gather, the more it helps you push through that. Yeah, And yeah, then you just definitely. have to do it because that's the problem. You don't do it, you're stuck forever. I am always skewed towards looking at the rewards of a situation. I think you're more skewed towards looking at what can go wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's a yin and yang type thing, and we mm -hmm. balance each other out. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm more, you know, without you kind of keeping me in check, maybe I would have made a bunch of bad decisions. I don't know. I mean, clearly, but are we talking about the land business? No, I'm just oh, kidding. Yes. Uh, but I think that's it's just knowing yourself, knowing your personality, because the reality is that this can work for anybody. It's just about you have to know who you are. So maybe I have to push myself and gather that information that makes me feel confident doing it. And whereas you, same thing, you need to gather that information so that your optimism doesn't... Doesn't take over. Right, doesn't yeah. make a decision. Mm -hmm. But it can work for both both types. Right. The end result is you need the information. And we 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 talk about that over and over again. Don't force a deal. Yeah, definitely. That's if it's like not the, there, don't, don't force it. For right. Sure. That's like the one thing I think that you kind of harp on 
people is that there's a scarcity mindset that if you don't if you don't buy this situation, you, there will never be another situation. Right. And that's just not the truth. There's always another deal and don't force it. Right. Okay. So, but let's get into your first, um, you, okay. You gave me talking points, of course, or mm-hmm. an outline as you like to call yes. it. And, um, you said you wrote on here Thanksgiving 2020, which I like to call food, family and indigenous people's day. Okay. You call it what you want. And I should say food, family, meaning, um, not a turkey. Uh huh. An unturkey day. We're vegans here in this family. Yeah. Well, so a few of us are. A few of Couple us are of vegetarians. vegetarians. Yeah. So, what happened on that day? Why are we starting there? Okay. Well, I said Thanksgiving 2020, and I didn't say I don't mean it like on that day, but I remember it was right around there, either a couple days before. I think it was a couple days before we had actually, you know, we've been talking for a little bit, a while, like kind of transitioning out of our other business. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even transitioning, but kind of me getting something going in real estate because that was sort of. Are you talking about the actual date? No, I'm talking about, well, I'm talking about the date, but I'm talking about like, you this is when we got started. 2020. I know. I like that the, wasn't on. Pro- I thought we were talking about like a metaphorical thing. No, no. Okay. So actually wrong. around Thanksgiving of 2020. Correct. Okay. okay yes. Go on. Yeah. So we were, mm-hmm. you know, for a while there, we were kind of discussing me getting back into real estate investing. That's always kind of been where my passion me was. Me on a walk saying, Pete, you really. Okay. Were well, you trying to convince me to get back into it? And I knew I, that's what I wanted to mm-hmm. do anyhow. So for a while there, I was just trying to figure out like what type of niche did I want to get myself into? I was researching lots of different models where people were making money, you know, multifamily, fixing, flipping homes. Mm-hmm. We had done that previously and I knew we could do that again, but it really wasn't sold on that because I knew everything that went in with that. And I was just looking at a lot of different things and I stumbled into someone, some people talking about land flipping online and kind of went down that rabbit hole. And it really made sense to me, the whole business, you know, buying and selling short-term holds. It it was just, it it seemed like it aligned well with what I felt like I was good at, like identifying value Mm -hmm. and uh, buying and selling stuff. So I've always liked that. I think we kind of both knew like you needed to get back into real estate because that's what you enjoyed. But you're right. None of those other like there's a lot of people that are like, I want to get in real estate. But you tell them that the most obvious ways to do it. And they're like, I don't want to be an agent. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do like that traditional way. I don't want to do I don't want to flip because it's flipping houses is not really even I mean, it's definitely real estate, but it's like 90 percent contractor work, Mm -hmm. 10 percent making sure you can get the deal and making sure the numbers work. That's hard, especially it's if hard. you don't have the skills. Mm-hmm. We can get into your skills. Yeah, and, and there's a big learning curve there as mm-hmm. well. Right. And it's just the control is outside of you. Mm-hmm. You have to wait if prices of materials go high. Um, okay. And then multifamily. I mean, multifamily, I think, is a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Like yep. if you can figure out the ways to make that work, like absolutely, like that makes sense. And it's needed. Housing is needed. But yeah, we're walking and we're talking and and that's where the hiccup came. That's why it didn't happen quicker was not because we didn't see the transition need, not that we didn't see the vision. It was that what kind of real estate. And then you said land. And I was like, you're absolutely freaking crazy. Like, yeah, I don't want to buy big pieces of land in the middle of nowhere and hold them for, you know, eight years paying taxes and like, I, that's what I thought. Yeah. And then, you know, trying to sell it for some huge profit. Right. You're know, just Speculate. waiting for that perfect yeah. buyer to come along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speculative, you know, and then I imagined um, that our life would be consumed with septic systems or approvals, <laughs> it, which it kind of is to some extent, uh-huh. but not really. So when you said that, I kind of blew you off because uh-huh. I thought you were crazy. Right. And, until I explained a little bit more what it was mm-hmm. all about, you know, the, the short term hold thing, people were doubling their money, you know, like tripling their money, buying for 10,000, selling for 30,000. And I think when I started to tell you about those examples, you got more interested. Yeah, it definitely caught my eye. I was like, okay, but, and then, then we kind of came to an agreement that I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit that you would show me. We uh-huh. do a couple deals and show me that it works, right. which is actually why you have the 50 first deals. Mm. So that if there's people like me or people like you, because in our, in our other businesses, I've used that same tactic on you. Mm-hmm. I needed to show you people's income, show you their deals in a sense. And then you were like, oh, that makes sense. So we figured if it helped you in that way, it would probably help me in this way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So then you yeah, tell we've me all got about a bunch it. Of, we've got a, we can go into that in a little bit. No, I guess, but yeah. But. So you, we go and we're talking, you're like, okay, these are, this is how this works. Mm-hmm. And it's around Thanksgiving time. Right. Yeah. So this is right around Thanksgiving 2020. I don't know if it was, I think it was a couple of days before we were having this conversation. We kind of came to the conclusion that like, hey, give it a shot. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to buy a training program on it. Paid a couple thousand dollars for it. It was the monthly fee involved as, as well. But anyhow, I 
took all that, uh, the course that was like recorded videos and stuff like that. And I just consumed it all in like a day. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, I understand this enough to, to get going with it. I actually put together my first batch of mail and I I knew enough to be dangerous. I knew enough to be dangerous. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so on December 6th, I actually sent out our first batch of mail. That was quick. Yeah, it was pretty quick. When I go into something, right, you I know, know. It's- I, go, I go all in. So I decided, like, this can work. It, was, it made perfect sense to me. Like, you send out a bunch of mail, you get a bunch of leads, certain percentage of them are deals, and, uh, yeah, you just buy and sell stuff. It's so, logical. It's logical, yeah. It's just the, the uphill battle, is that, which is also a good thing for us, is that people are just so ingrained to think what land is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they can't see that that's... Even lots of experienced investors I've talked to, they've never heard of it. I know, real estate investors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. The person we walked that we ran into walking was into real estate. Mm-hmm. And they were like, so how long do you... Like, like, no, they just didn't know, even ugh. know the, the niche existed. Yeah. And then like, that is interesting, <laughs> yeah. you know? And then we hear that all the time, every single time. Because it is interesting, because it doesn't make sense until you understand it. Right. Okay, go on. So, okay, December 6th, I'm looking at my notes here. Yeah, I'm I sent sure. out... Uh, a batch of 10,000 pieces of mail. Uh, I sent another batch on December 20th for 11,000. So the crazy thing is that looking back and there were no deals that came from that first batch of 10,000 pieces of mail. Mm-hmm. Now, and I've talked about this before. I made, I made a couple of really massive mistakes on that first mailer. And uh, in hindsight, it's pretty stupid when I look back on those mistakes. But you know, I guess I was just going by what I was being told at the time. And, you know, it just didn't didn't kind of work out. I, If you want to know, basically what I did like was... Now you have to tell us. Well, yeah, I'll give you the, the, the quick story on it. Basically, I, you know, we send out offer letters with pricing on there already. Mm-hmm. And it the pricing we put on there is a certain percent of retail market value. So I think I priced this first mailer at 25% of market value, like retail value. And uh, so I sent out offers at 25%. The thing that compounded it that made it a lot worse was I sent these into the hottest counties in the entire country, meaning Mm -hmm. anything that went on the market was listed would sell right away. Mm -hmm. So these were super hot markets, lots of buyer demand, not a lot of inventory. Those two things together created a bad combination and a combination where I didn't get any deals out of that first 10,000 pieces of mail. A couple of things. Um, most people would have quit. Mm-hmm. They would have been like, well, just wasted 10 grand. I'm an idiot. Goodbye. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you, it t- wasn't 10 grand. It was probably 5,500. Okay. 5,500. Why do mm-hmm. I think, oh, it's cause that's how many mailers you sent out. Yeah, t- okay. Yes. But I remember my reaction, which surprised me because normally me, I would have been like, well, it just didn't work. Let's move mm-hmm. on. Whatever. Um, I was like, well, that sounds actually like a cheap lesson. Mm-hmm. How much did you, what did you learn from it? I'm not saying like $5,500 is nothing, but in my mind, it was like, you learned a lot from this because mm-hmm. you immediately came and you were like, this is what happened and this is what I learned. And I was like, yeah, oh. yeah I figured it out pretty quickly. In, in fact, I figured it out, uh, like I even started to get some responses before that second mailer went out. And I was like, oh, I really feel like I priced it too low. Like in, in reality, it's it's kind of what happens on the first thing. For, first, you know, when you get mail back in any any scenario, right. like people are complaining and stuff like that. So I really took that to heart. Uh, and I priced that second batch uh, higher. And the second batch wasn't going. It was kind of going to the next tier. Pretty hot counties, but not the hot, the hottest mm-hmm. counties. And then that's that from that second mailer is when we started to get some, some results. So anyhow, you know, like that first mail, it's not like I didn't get leads and potential deals out of that first one. It's just as I evaluated all these properties, a lot of them, there was something wrong with them. You know, I talk about this too. Like I got this one deal, someone signed the offer letter and sent it to me in the mail. And then when I looked it up online, the whole property was underwater. It was like next to a lake or some sort of large body of water. And it was actually off the shoreline in the water. And another investor was telling me, hey, you should make that in an oyster farm. And I was like, well, I don't really want to get into all this stuff. You know, so I just passed on the deal, but but that's important because we did think about it for a second. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we could buy it, and then There's we were probably like, probably ways you could could have made money with right. it and done some value add or mm-hmm. whatever. But but knowing us, 
we're vegan. Mm-hmm. I'm allergic to oysters. You know what I mean? But it was like, do we want to start a new business or did we want to do land flipping? Because yeah. that's the reality is that right. had we done that, been like, okay, now we're starting, we're becoming oyster farmers. Like what? This is not making any sense. But you get caught up in the deal. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. You try to make something work, which mm-hmm. really isn't there. I mean, I guess if you have no lead, no other leads mm-hmm. and you could make something out of nothing, maybe. Right. Yeah. Or I think we're at that part where we should be doing that. Mm-hmm. We right. should have a whole team that looks at the oddball prop- properties and says, what's the highest and best use for this? Is it something we want to invest in? But then it was just you mm-hmm. yep. and, you know, and me, you know, worried about every deal. Yeah. So that was not a good, that was not a good situation. Okay. Yeah. So you, um, you did get one deal from the second mailer. Yep. And, uh, you know, some mistakes were made in that mm-hmm. as well. I also priced that one a little low and I also was going to some of the counties that were pretty hot, you know, mm-hmm. like, so in that combination of things, I should have been more aggressive in my pricing, meaning I probably should have been going like 50% of market value. And I think it was 35 to 40% of market value, something like that. So I could have, in hindsight, probably had a better hit rate on that first, uh, on that second mailer as well. But, but you know, I was learning and adjusting as I went. And, uh, you know, I knew things weren't going to be perfect from the beginning, but I did start seeing, you know, some good potential deals coming in, things starting to work. So from that, Fast forward a little bit to February of 2021. That's when we first actually, some of our first purchases started to close. So mm-hmm. I would get properties under contract. I got a, a number of them under contract in January. I think a couple of them didn't go through for one reason or another. But I closed on um, four deals in February. So the, this is before we resold anything, before, you know, so four full deals we bought in February. And I think it was a total cost of about $88,000 for those four properties. So, you know, in February of 2021, you're kind of giving me some leeway to kind of do some of these deals. We Obviously, spent, I'm looking yes, at that. And I'm like, we wow, spent $88,000. We own four properties. But I was like, Heather, these are worth so much more than we paid for them. I can, you know, make a lot of money on these. Want to learn the secret to building a thriving land flipping business? Head on over to landconquest.com and join over 2,000 passionate land flippers leveraging the power of community to scale quickly. Sign up for free at landconquest.com. All right, let's get back to the show. And at that time, were you believing in me still? I think I must have. Were you doubting me? I don't, uh, you know what? You had a captive audience because we were still laying low. Yeah. You know, so not much was happening. I don't know. It was probably entertainment. Maybe it was cheap entertainment for me. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) But, um, but I saw the vision because again, it goes back to the facts that you, you showed me what you bought it for. You showed me the comps. Mm -hmm. I, I guess the benefit is that I understand how that works. I know what comps are. I know how to do that kind of stuff, but I feel like that could be, anyone can learn that. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of it is. Yeah, there's a procedure. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so when did we have the first resale? The first resale was in March. I wish I would have written down the first day. It was March of 2021. And in March of 2021, we resold that first property, and then it all became real. I was like, right. Heather, this works. I need more money to buy more properties. <laughs> I need more money to send out mail. So I have to like convince her every you step of the way. You still do. I still do. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It's still like a sales pitch to Heather first. And then if I could talk her into it, then then it's good. So so anyhow, this first deal, I wrote the numbers down just in case you're curious. We bought the property for $17,800. Mm-hmm. We sold it for $31,300. And when I say that, that's after commissions, closing costs. That's wire uh, in, wire the, out. Yeah. So of. so basically, we we wired out seventeen eight to close the deal because of the closing costs and everything. I think the mm-hmm. purchase price is like sixteen inches per change. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, and then when we sold it, we were under contract for thirty five, and then by the time we had to pay for commissions and closing costs, it was thirty one three wired back to us. So we made a gross profit on that deal of thirteen thousand four fifty six. We didn't do anything to the property. It was a cash purchase, obviously. And the buyer was cash on on the resale side. Mm -hmm. So So our expenses were obviously, um, like the overall one is sending the mailers out to get it. Mm -hmm. Um, But also like, I guess if we had any sort of perk test or- We had nothing on that Photography? You know, I think on that first one, I think I had the agent take some pictures for me. Okay. So So we didn't even have any of those types mm -hmm. of expenses on on that first deal. Now we've changed our processes Mm -hmm. since then, but that's kind of how the first first one worked. And in my mind, I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I almost doubled our money. Mm -hmm. I almost doubled our money. Yeah, good job, Heather. Thank you. Thank you very much. And so, yeah. So now I'm like, okay, well, it worked one time. It was a beginner's luck. So that was the only property we sold in March. That- that first deal. Of course, 
we had uh, we bought four in February. I sold mm-hmm. one in March. Now in April, that's when things started to really pick up. I sold those three other deals that we bought in February. Mm-hmm. I sold them in April. So so as a whole, just kind of looking at those first four deals, we spent about eighty eight thousand on those first four deals. And we got back after commissions and closing costs, we got about $185,000 back off of those. So February was the first time we started outlaying money. And March, we started getting it back. And then April, you know, we got all that back and then some. Now, we also were buying some more properties in, in April and stuff like that. So it's always kind of a fluctuating thing. But in April, did you really start believing in it? Did you really start seeing kind of like, okay, this really does work? I remember my thought in April was it made no sense because interest rates were really low still. And I kept thinking like any amount of money that we had in the bank was like a waste of money. I like money in the bank as a security feature and all that kind of stuff. I get that. But to some extent, it was kind of like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, so even if you made, and I tell you this to this day, like if you have a deal and you're like, oh, I really wish we had made more. And I'm like, how much did you make? And it was like, and I'm like, could you have gotten, where else could you have gotten your cash back to that extent? So I remember thinking I should allot as much money as possible for this because money sitting in the bank is worth nothing. Actually, it was worth negative. It was worth negative. So yeah, that must have been Mm -hmm. because I remember kind of it was like the floodgates open. So yeah, I mean, that that showed it to me. And also it showed that, well, it showed that there were deals out there, that there were people that wanted to buy them um, and that the possibilities were endless, meaning that it just was a matter of how much mail you send out. It's a numbers game. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, it really started feeling real mm-hmm. then. Like, okay, I knew it worked. I knew it would work. I'm very confident when it comes to this kind of stuff. I knew it would work. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, was, I was very confident on every single one of these deals that we did. Yeah, but if it's, it's seeing that validation is another thing. Mm-hmm. Like seeing the money come back in your account and actually like calculating the profits you made in each of these deals. Yeah. I was like, this definitely works. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I got this. I, I know I can do way more. I, I know I can really scale this up high. Like it just all made sense to me. It really seemed to match with with everything I'm about. And uh, so it was exciting to me because I felt like I felt like I, I really cracked the code and really figured something out. So. Right. It was like a bunch of different pieces of your life all came together for this moment. Mm-hmm, yeah. You were like, this is interesting. This is, and also the way that, you know, I think that people in, oh, what's the word I'm even looking for? Like some people get are get happy because of gambling or something or you know there's different like kind of trigger things that make you happy and if your mindset is that this is you like gaming Mm -hmm. your income right that's this is a good one Mm -hmm. for that yeah and there's no limit it's just that's the other really cool thing about it is there's no real at least we haven't discovered how that would work i guess at some point let's say we're sending out five billion dollars worth of mail every month that might be yeah yeah at at some point uh yeah there's going to be some limiting factors for Mm -hmm. sure and it's not just a straight line when you're uh, scaling up business but 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 generally it's like the more outreach the more you know the more marketing direct marketing efforts that you do the more leads you're going to get and the more deals you're going to do right and something to remember is that you might reach somebody today and they're not in the mindset to sell mm-hmm. so it's not even about like oh well what if we mailed every single person in the country that had owned a piece of land that's not it's actually weird it's like that doesn't limit it if they mm-hmm. all said no that's still not limiting because if you reach them in a month two months three months there's going to be a certain percentage that would be wanting to sell or maybe they look at that letter or the offer we send them and say oh yeah i'd sell it for this mm-hmm. and they just never get around to like calling right. or doing anything about it there's a lot of those type of people around I'm sure you set it aside and then you go pay the property taxes that, you know, next uh, quarter or whatever. And you're like, oh, wait, where's that letter? Yeah. You know, it's buried under, you know, it's buried. Yeah. Buried. B- buried. Is it buried? I don't know. I, I say oh. buried, but that's that's a Pennsylvania it's more thing. spelled like B-U-R, though. Like, wouldn't you think it would be buried? I, d- I agree to disagree. OK. I don't know. I like to bury things. but OK, well, I like berries, too. Strawberries, raspberries. <laughs> Shut up. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's, that really, um, those first couple of months, if you can push through, through those first couple of months, you can get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also people don't have to do like their first mailer doesn't have to be $5,500. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is not crazy thing is, but w- one of the interesting paths that, that is open that really wasn't, um, being used a lot back then was the partnership thing. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. So, because a lot of people wouldn't have put out $88,000 to see if it works. Exactly. So uh, we were, uh, thankfully, we were in a good position. We were able to have those funds available and devote them to this. But 
you don't need those type of funds to do deals these days. I mean, mm-hmm. and you can eliminate all risk by getting a partner, specifically partner the partner with Pete program. This like is a good segue. Little like chimes or something like you know yeah. what I mean? Like maybe you, a sound effect. I can program some sort of. You need sound to do that. It's got to be the chimes, and then when you say land conquest, it has to be like the land conquest. I'll, I'll work on that. Okay. In my free time. Yeah. So the partner with Pete program, if you haven't heard, it's essentially a program to kind of solve that problem Mm -hmm. for investors, meaning you don't have to use any of your own money to complete the deal. In the Partner with Pete program, once you get a deal under contract, you submit it uh, on the website, partnerwithpete.com. We'll take a look at the de- at the deal. If it's if we agree that it's a deal and there and it meets kind of our criteria, which is basically we're looking for a double, buy it for fifty thousand, sell it for a hundred thousand, you know, with our projections, then we will agree to fund the deal. From that point forward, we'll do everything. You know, we'll send the money to close the deal. But before that, even we'll do all the research on the property. We'll pay for the photographer to go out there. If it needs any sort of survey work or perk test, anything like that, we cover that expense. And then when the property resells, you know, like we handled that resale process as well, then we split the profits 50-50. So there's no downside for the investor. You know, like say, for instance, in my situation, if we would, if we would have got a property under contract and it ultimately ended up losing money, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as the investor, I wouldn't have lost any of that money myself. It would be the partner, me, partner with Pete, uh, that were to lose the money on the deal. So we take all the downside and we split all the upside. I think it's a win-win. Yeah, definitely. And there's a few different types of people that utilize that. It's people who are maybe more um, loss adverse, like me, mm-hmm. where they want someone else to take on the risk. Um, there's people that don't have the funds to close the deals. Mm-hmm. There's people that have the funds to close the deals, but they don't want to. They want to just focus on getting the deals and then they utilize the team that we built to to do all that. And then we use our network of brokers or agents to sell it. And there's a lot of personalities so just like finding the deals. Right. Yeah. So that's really the most, you know, uh, the best use of your time as an investor is finding more and more deals. And the rest of it, um, you know, the rest of it can be taken care of by by partnering with us. And, you know, so I, I think it's um, I think it's a pretty unique situation. I know a lot of investors kind of struggle with like, is this a deal or isn't it a deal? Mm-hmm. We give you our clear thoughts on this situation. Obviously, if we're willing to put our money forward and close on that deal, that's it's <laughs> to a get deal. indication that we feel like it's a deal, too. Yeah. So we talked about that. Oh, you know, what we didn't talk about was I kind of talked about it a little bit, but fit your 51st deals. That might be interesting to people. Oh, yes. OK, so we put out a lot of content, meaning I put out a lot of content about our, our deals that we do, mm-hmm. you know, like the numbers of the deals, like what we bought these properties for, what we sold them for, what we're doing in revenue and profit, everything each month. So we've got a number of things along those lines. First of all, on our website, turningprofit.com, you can find a uh, 51st deals. So what that is, is it's a, a screen share video, which I did where I'm going through our first 50 deals that we did, like number one through number 50. And I'm telling you about each one of these, like what we bought it for, what we sold it for, our profit, how many days we held it for, any notes on that property. So I think it's very insightful as a new investor or, or even an experienced investor to see kind of what, what's out there, what kind of deals are being done, and if you feel like it, it could resonate with you. So I spent a lot of time putting that together, and that's there on the website, turningprofit.com. You just have to put your name and your email, and then uh, you'll receive that, that link to that video. And then as well, on that same website, you'll see our monthly income reports. And I just finished the September one. And I know we're in November now, <laughs> but the September one, and that was our best month we ever had. Really? Yes. It was the first month we did over a million dollars in revenue. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see on here, there's another vid- there's a video for each month of our income reports. Mm-hmm. But if you go to the website, there's more detail on the blog post for that. So I really go into detail on every single deal we did and everything like that. But it's not just September. It's a couple years worth of those income reports for every mm-hmm. single month. So I would definitely check that out if you're kind of interested in seeing what's possible and kind of the numbers that are available and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So year one. Year Let's one. Let's talk so, about that. Yeah, year one. So fast forward to the end of year one, and here's what we ended up doing. So we ended up doing $1,247,000 in revenue. We did gross profit of 658000 So when I say gross profit, what that is, is that's basically what we bought the property for, including all kind of closing costs and any sort of due diligence or property expenses, anything related to that property that was an expense. Okay, So we've got that figure. But then we 
we take the uh, amount of money we receive back on the resale side, you know, as a wire transfer after all closing costs and commissions, and we just subtract the one from the other, that's our gross profit. Right. So we have so, other expenses, insurance. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. there's, there's lots of business expenses mm -hmm. not related to that. But this is like the per these properties that we bought and sold, this is the gross profit mm -hmm. that we made. Right. So, okay. And then you had an average gross profit per deal? Yes, of $20,580. So as an average, we sold 32 properties in the first year. We resold 32 properties in the first year. So as an average, uh, we made a little over $20,000 in gross profit per deal. And then your days in inventory. Yeah, so days in inventory. So on an average, uh, we only held these properties for 55.46 days the first year. This is funny because I've never seen it before, but you sent out 255,487 pieces of mail. Yes, Yep, in the first year. Uh -huh. And yep. you got 32 sales. Right, yeah. So, so that shows that it takes a lot. Yes, and you know, there was a, there was some waste in there because I wasn't <laughs> doing some of the things right. Right. Uh, but the other thing that should be noted as well, that, you know, some of that mail uh, doesn't show up in these figures. It, it shows up, oh, the, the deals show year. up in the next year because we bought more than 32 properties. Right. And, and then, you know, say we sent some mail and, November or December of that year, you know, that's not going to even a lot of times be a deal until, mm -hmm. you know, January, February, you know, something like that. So it takes time, you mm -hmm. know. That actually doesn't seem crazy to me. I, and the way I don't even look at it, the sales, I look at it this. You sent 255,487 pieces of mail and your gross profit was $658,000 from doing that. Yeah, it's pretty good. If you look at it that way, you know. Yeah. Okay. And so, the, I mean, these are all the good things about it. You've, you've got a big section on time to devote to mm -hmm. doing this and you have it broken down to, okay, if you have another job. Yeah. So, so this next section, mm -hmm. I'm kind of going and in, going into the, the answering the question, like what's possible in your first year flipping mm -hmm. land and, and there's some variables. So. Right. And you technically did have another job during this period because I can't, when did, do you know when we wound down the other business? Uh, that was in, um, 2022? 2022. So during this time, you still did have a, f and I would consider that more than a full-time job. Yes. It was a, it was a big time commitment. Yeah. So. This was your side hustle. Yeah. yeah pretty much. Yeah. So I, I would agree. If you're thinking I have a full-time job or I have a beyond full-time job, what can I do? I think, and, and also did we have other people helping you? Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had an assistant that brought on pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, he was helping me in our other business and I, I, he was still helping with the other business, but I started bringing him on board this business and helping me out with certain tasks, certain, certain tasks that are like repeatable yeah, and like things that admin. I could, yeah, things that I could teach uh, pretty quickly and then kind of get those things off my plate. Right. So a lot of people won't jump to that. It did alleviate the burden to some extent, but it wasn't like a life changing. Mm -hmm. Like you could do it without that. Oh, yeah, you could do it without that. It's just like, what what is your time worth? So mm -hmm. boost your land flipping earnings with our new Land Conquest business system. It's designed for efficiency and effectiveness. This cutting edge software tool is your key to success in the land flipping industry. Streamline and automate your operations to scale your business to new heights. With our system, you get a customizable website with six professional templates to choose from, up to five dedicated phone numbers, each with their own chosen area codes for creating a trustworthy local presence. And as a bonus, you'll get a $25 credit for SMS and email sends. You'll also get access to our tech team to build any automations or customizations that you want. And not to mention, we've got a great dedicated community to the Land Conquest business system to help us all thrive together. And with every step of the way, you get our 24-7 live chat support. But that's not all. You'll also gain access to our exclusive community to connect and grow with fellow land flippers. Seize the opportunity to transform your business. Visit software.landconquest.com to check out the Land Conquest business system and unlock the next stage of your land flipping success. Um, you can get some assistance for relatively inexpensive uh, cost and, you know, it might be worth looking into if you get the right ones. I think people don't invest in that enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We still struggle with that. We yeah. do, saying we should get more and more people because the cost outweighs the benefit. No, the benefit outweighs the cost. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there you go, Heather. Thank you. Um, so why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So I've broken this down into a number of these different variables that, you know, every situation is different. Mm -hmm. So so first of all, the number one thing to consider is the, your time to devote. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if it's the number one, but it's one of the main variables. So 
You well, know? it's 100% because yeah. if you don't have time, you can't do anything. Right. So you so need to look and see what you have. Do you have another job? Right. You know, are you, or is this, you have your whole calendar clear mm-hmm. and this is all that you're working on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if that's the case, you should be able to make a lot more progress. You should be able to do a lot better in your first year than someone that's got, uh, you know, a 60 hour a week job that they're, they're going to and then a family that they have a lot of family commitments and things where they just don't have a lot of extra time. Their window may be from eight o'clock at night to, you know, 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time they've got to actually devote to something like this. And if that's the case, it's not, it's not a situation where it can't be done. You know, obviously, uh, there's been a lot of times in our past where we've had situations like that. And I know in order to get to head, I, I really have to do it when everyone else is asleep. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it's a slower ramp up, but it can still be done. Mm-hmm. Or somebody that's kind of already retired in a sense, you know, that fat mm-hmm. fire kind of, not right. fat fire, uh, fire movement thing. Mm-hmm. That person's got, you know, the daytime hours to devote to it. It's actually not a bad job or a way to make money. If you are a primary caregiver, like mm-hmm. especially if they're at school or stuff like that. Yeah, there's definitely um, definitely ways that you can uh, work this business model into that type of scenario. So the other thing is resources. So and I'm not just saying resources like money to buy these properties, because there's ways around that, you know, like with the partner with Pete program and things. But you do need some resources or some access to funds in order to do your marketing. You know, we do direct mail for pretty much all of our deals. We've also recently started getting into uh, some cold calling and things like that. But you need to figure out what your method of generating these deals is. Our thing is direct mail because it's consistent, it works, and uh, it's very repeatable. Um, But, you know, maybe you are thinking like, hey, I'm just going to get my deals off the MLS. Obviously, that's not going to require a marketing budget, but it will require a lot of your time and kind of expertise in order to try to find those those deals like that. So but. what you're saying is you need to balance your time, your funds with kind of what you can, how you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. need to be honest with yourself. What kind of, how much time do you have? How much money do you have? Right. And where's that happy medium? Right. And then are you going to depend on like partner with Pete? for the funding mm-hmm. and to handle that back end. And you're going to focus on this. These are all things that you can kind of, you know, waddle, waddle. I don't know, get, go through as you're growing mm-hmm. and figure out, Hey, I don't like doing that part. Or right. this is, I do like doing this part. And I want to do it. Or, Hey, I don't have the funds to do it, but I still, you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, these are all questions that can be changed and, and formed as you go through it. Yep. And you know, like uh, buying deals and stuff like that, you may start off with the fact that like, Hey, I'm going to fund my own, all my own deals. Mm-hmm. I've got this certain amount. But then cash flow is another thing, you know, you might get four deals under contract and you've only got enough funds to do three and then you need to keep that train moving. So while you're waiting for those deals to resell, you're going to have other potential deals come your way. So it's constantly a balance. So you may decide like, hey, I can fund a certain amount. I can partner on a certain amount. Mm-hmm. And it might be just a balancing act as you go. Yeah, so. what you're comfortable. And I can promise mm-hmm. you that fourth one that you aren't comfortable funding will be like the deal of the century. It always works that way, right? Yeah. yeah it's like, cause I was pushed kind of beyond my comfort zone a few times and like, well, I want to wait for this one to close. And, and you're like, okay, here's this one. I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. We can't, yeah. we can't pass on it. So it's good to have that backup ready to go just in case. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, you've got the marketing budget and you've got the budget for buying the properties mm-hmm. yourself or uh, make the decision to actually partner on those properties. So that's that's another thing that kind of affects what you can do in that first year. I like what you say next, the speed of learning, because yes. you and I both have a, a strange t- a trait, I guess. Mm-hmm. If we're interested and we're ready, it's like all encompassing. Yes. Like we go down that rabbit hole and we just like absorb everything. Mm-hmm. I think there's more like people or people like more like-minded people out there like us. Mm-hmm. And then there's some that maybe have a little more self-control and they Break it down. Right. And it might, you know, like, hey, I'm going to devote an hour, you know, mm-hmm. a, an hour a night to this or whatever. Instead, uh, you know, you and I are very similar that like we'll just, you know, we'll just try to get it all done in one or two mm-hmm. days and like really get the core of it in. And then we're reading everything. We're listening to everything. We're like all in on that. Like that's, you know, it's like all encompassing. And if you're mm-hmm. like that, you know what you know what we mean by that. It's fun. That's Especially when you're getting into something yeah. that you're excited about. Uh, so it doesn't feel like work. It's like you really want to understand mm-hmm. this. You really want to become an expert in it. There's you know? probably some mental health professional listening to this. And it's like you guys have a... Classic whatever 
something. Yeah, yes. there's mm-hmm. something, you know what I mean? Which is fair enough, but I really like that. Mm-hmm. And then I can absorb it all. And then I, then I spend a little bit of time kind of like working it through in my brain as I'm reading more, cr- not cringe, um, fringe outlying information. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's cringe too. I don't know. Right. I think that's very interesting though. So, but then there's other people who are like, yeah, I literally only have eight to 11 PM. This is really interesting, but I'm not going all in like you guys so quick mm-hmm. and, and break it down. And we actually have a solution for that too. Yes. And what was that solution? You have a training program. Oh, I was like, I thought some sort of method to like, uh, oh, uh, learn after 11 p.m. or something. I didn't know what you're talking no, about. No, like I 100 percent don't. I know what I know who we are. I think uh-huh. self-awareness is important and okay. it doesn't affect the quality of our life. We just are interested in it. So mm-hmm. and and a lot of times it's not the same thing. So that balances things yeah. out. Sorry, um, I was just a little confused. That was there. funny. You're like, what is this secret method? <laughs> like You don't remember. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, Heather is referring to our training program, which we give out entirely at no cost. And this isn't just some junk throwaway, you know, course that is, you know, something you get for free by just giving your email address. It's like five easy steps to yeah. amassing millions. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like Overnight. that Overnight. Yeah. It's very, very extensive. Myself and my team, hundreds of hours to put this together, tens of thousands of dollars in production costs and things that I had to pay in order mm-hmm. to get this done. But I'm very, very happy with the end product of it. And it's it's basically everything that you're going to need to know in order to do this land flipping model exactly the way we do it. So there's no there's no catch. It's everything is there. It's 100 percent at no cost in our community. So all you need to do is to, to get this is to go to landconquest.com. Press one of those orange buttons there. That's going to take you to our land flipping community inside that community. Uh, there's obviously lots of discussion happening there, which is really cool. And then we've got a classroom section of that community as well, where you're going to find all that training. So if you're interested in this business model, I would definitely go there and check it out. You might find, you know, other courses around about land flipping that might cost you thousands of dollars. This one does not. And you can absorb it overnight in a, uh, you could, in a fit or you can <laughs> break it down however you want. There's no like limitation. It's it's there for you. There's yeah. a community to talk about it. And then you actually have a, 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 a comp, um, what do you call that? A, a group to uh, your mastermind. Mm, yes. You well, yes. Yeah, so it's not open right now. Uh huh. Yes. But we do have uh, a number of programs mm-hmm. actually. Well, one of them, we just launched the first group of students and it's very, very exciting to me. It's called the gauntlet. It's basically helping you as a real estate investor, get your biz- your land flipping business off the ground within eight weeks. It's an eight week fast track program. Uh, we work very closely with you in order to, to make that happen. We go through a defined series of steps each week. Uh, so, and we have accountability, you have your own accountability coach, you have your own separate community and, uh, instruction by me every week. And then also a Q and a session with me is, uh, each week as well. So there's, a there's a lot of things in there that, uh, are really kind of tailored to, you know, you finding success in, in, in eight weeks and getting this business up and going and, and avoiding some of those big mistakes like I made. Right. <laughs> I want to see you make them as well. It's kind of like a jump start. Um, so going back to the speed of learning. So mm. it's, you know, quick learning. Are you willing to dedicate a substantial amount of time to getting up to speed, you know, and then the training resources. And mm-hmm. then you said self study, the mentorship program. And then also confidence in the deals, right. you know, with education is going to come confidence. So as you educate yourself on how to evaluate these deals, you'll become more confident in these deals, you know, and, and the other thing about that is too, that having some resources like, like the mentorship program or things like that, where where you can bounce off those deals off of me or other uh, students in the community, like, Hey, what do you guys think about this deal? Or what Mm -hmm. do you think about this deal, Pete? Like, is this a deal? And then I would give you my, my two cents of whether I think it's a deal or not. So you can hopefully avoid some really b- making some bad mistakes and hopefully get some confidence in some of those deals that you you think are a deal, but you just need a little bit of push in that direction. Right. And I talk about that a lot, that I feel like this is something anyone can do. It's more about just getting that deep understanding. Yep. And, and that comes from doing some. It's just like anything else. The more you do it, mm-hmm. learning a new language, you, the more you speak it, you're the more you're going to speak it. Right. Yeah. Better at it. And then, OK, well, you're going deep with this. Oh, one. yes. Yeah. So another factor is like your experience with building a team and hiring. Mm -hmm. Now you'll get to a certain point, like I did, where you can't do everything yourself. Like there's only so much time in the day, 
you know, if you want to keep things at a, at a real basic level or you're doing a deal or two a month, you could probably handle it all yourself. But it, even in that case, is it really best the best thing for you to be doing all the work yourself? There's very few businesses that are solo operators out there that actually grow to kind of significant levels. You're always going to be capped at a certain level uh, if you do everything yourself. So one of the big areas of leverage is bringing on team members, mm-hmm. hiring new staff, you know, like getting people to take some of those things off of your plate so you can focus on the highest value activities so you can really grow your business. And eventually, maybe you can grow it to the point where you're not handling any of the day-to-day stuff. You've got a great staff in place that's doing a lot of the day-to-day things. You're handling the vision for the organization and, and the big direction of things. And obviously, you know, making big decisions and stuff like that. But, uh, but you're out of a lot of the day-to-day stuff if you've got the right people working with you on your team. I think a lot of people get to a point where that this is kind of a, they ha- they know they have to. Mm-hmm. Most people will go into it thinking, I'm going to do it all. I'll be fine. And you're right. You're going to figure out your breaking point. Where At what point does it not make sense anymore? Because it's not just about the quantity of money. It's the quality of the life. Yes. Yep. So yep. you need to find that, that yeah, balance. Yeah. And if, if you've had experience with kind of um, hiring a team or building a team in the past, you're probably going to transition through that phase relatively easily. Right. If you've never done that in the past, there's a learning curve. There's a learning curve to scaling, and team building is a big part of that. So that's one of your biggest points of leverage is, is getting that, that right team in place and working your way through those steps. So I'm letting go of control. Speaking of the mentorship program, we, mm-hmm. we've got that gauntlet. Uh, we're also releasing our next level of mentorship program soon, which will all be all about kind of going through all these processes to get to from the point where like, hey, I'm, I'm now, you know, the business is like, I'm doing deals or whatever, but you want to get to the point where you're actually really scaling the business, growing a team, mm-hmm. leveraging as much as possible and and seeing how how big you can make this, uh, make this land flipping operation. That's so. like a big problem for a lot of people. They get to that point and they're like, I can't seem to get past here. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're holding themselves back. They just don't have the resources in this, not resources monetarily necessarily, but resources of where do I start? Who do I go to? What do I need? Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be a very big thing. I like how you're talking just about are you, how focused are you on your goals? You yep. know, how important is it for you to be doing the habits? Yep. And the reason that you were able to scale to this level is because those were important to you and you're willing to, to do that. Yeah. And you've defined habits. You, just from running other businesses, understand putting those into place and doing it. Yeah. Well, the big thing is with this, you need to set goals. I mean, you don't need to. I mean, I guess you could just float around aimlessly and hope you end up in the right spot. But I definitely suggest having goals. But it's not just having the goals that's going to make you achieve them. Mm-hmm. You have to put the habits in place in order to make those goals happen. Now, in this case, you know, one of the big habits that you have to put in place is you have to be regular about your marketing. You know, are you sending out, you know, like what you have to reverse engineer it? Like, mm-hmm. okay, I want to do $2 million in revenue. What is it going to take in order to do that? How much mail am I going to have to send out? How many cold calls will I have to make? You know, like, and then reverse engineer it, put those habits in place, meaning, making sure your marketing goes out in the regular intervals in order to meet those goals. So it's not just about setting the goals. It's actually about doing all the other stuff that needs to happen in order to achieve those goals. We've talked about that before because we took that road trip for six weeks. Was six weeks? Yeah, just about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let's just stop sending the mail out before Mm -hmm. that so that we can actually have a break. And um, and that was like the biggest mistake ever because it, it took like double what it should, you know, we should have had that. We should have had a team in place to handle the deals right. or the leads coming in. And that was in 2021, right? That was our first year of doing this. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. So live and learn, you know, mm-hmm. probably could have done $2 million that first year if we haven't, didn't put the brakes mm-hmm. on that. But, you know. It was a good break because we had been home for a year. We used to right. traveling all the time. And I was still doing stuff. I was still trying to work deals and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff while right. we were on vacation. But we just didn't have a lot of uh, marketing going out, there, any any marketing going out that during that time period. Right. And during a flip side, we actually wrote a high level um, course um, and launched, well, wrote it and launched it on a river cruise in Europe. Right. And we did not want another situation where it was like, yeah. enjoy as much as you can. 
and then pass out because you're exhausted while do, you know doing all yeah, these things. Not good. Not a good idea. No. So um, I call it "Don't miss the castles," mm-hmm. and that's what was. <laughs> okay. that, you know, you were go, we're floating by, and there's castles, and I'm out cold, and you're like, "Heather, wake up!" And what was the other thing I told you to wake up when we were on the God, river cruise? We, I'm like, "Heather, look out the window." And I did, and I regret it to this day. I can't get those images out of my. It was a nudist mind. colony in Germany along the banks of the river. And they were waving they were there completely like naked, all of them just waving great. at the boat of children. That is, yeah, he's like, wake up, wake up. And I wake up. And he's like, look out. And I'm thinking it's going to be a great castle. And it was not a great castle. But thank you for that, Pete. Yeah, yeah. Like Fun memories. Vomit in the corner. Yeah. But anyway, so it's, it's a, there's a balancing act. And I think in that situation, we probably should have had people lined up to deal with incoming leads so that you could still have had a vacation mm-hmm. without turning it off. Right. A couple other quick things, Heather. Mm-hmm. First of all, I think it's really important to model your business off of someone else that's already been doing it. So right, someone else that's reinvent- ahead of you. Yeah, don't reinvent the wheel. Right. Hopefully, I'm, I'm serving as a model in some way. I'm not saying that I'm doing this better than anyone else. I'm sure there's people doing it a lot better than me. But I would imagine in a lot of your cases, I'm probably ahead of where you're at right now. Uh, so, you know, putting out these income reports and things like that, it can hopefully serve as a little bit of inspiration for you to actually hit those levels and, and possibly just completely blow my numbers out of the water. Okay. A so. couple of things. I, we always say that like our goal is to anyone that uses any of our training or mentorship, we hope you surpass us. That's mm-hmm. the goal. It's right. to share as much as we possibly can so that you can kind of jump to this level and then surpass us. Right. But I do think that you're pretty on your game with this. I mean, I don't, I don't know anyone else doing exactly what you're doing and the way you're doing it and having that success. So just going to say well, that. Well, thank you, Heather. Not just because I'm married to you. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Else? So, and the last thing is, you know, like, are you trying to blaze your own path, which, you know, coming up with uh, some sort of tweaks on the business model before you even start doing it? You know, I see that a lot. You know, oh, like, yeah. Oh, I, you know, I'm going to focus on this or whatever. And I'm like, well, no one's really doing that. But, you know, uh, obviously you're free to do whatever you want. Are you looking for funding for your land flipping deal? Then head on over to partnerwithpete.com. It's an innovative new funding program where we split the profits with you 50-50, but we take it one step further and we handle every other step of the process in the land flipping business. Yes, that means we handle all the due diligence. If the property needs any value add like clearing brush, perk test, survey, we'll get that paid for up front. Then when the property resells, We split the profits 50-50. There is absolutely no downside for you as an investor. If we lose money, we don't pass that on to you. But when we make money, when we make profit, we split the proceeds 50-50. So as a recap, we handle every part of the process. We split the profits with you 50-50. There's no downside for you as the investor, only upside. So go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and we'll get it checked out within 24 hours. But I would... would Emulate what's working, what you know that what's working before you start making a lot of alterations to that and kind of kind of coming up with your own thing. Right. So. It's like a fine line. It's like I know that, that that inspiration can be really exciting, but there might be a reason why no one's doing it. Mm-hmm. But also you need to understand the fundamentals before you can, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And, and so. you're still you're you're just starting like your job is just to get it up and going. Yeah. Then you can do all those fun, exciting changes. But yeah, yep. you see that a lot. Like, well, I'm going to do this like, OK. And then like, yeah, it didn't work. Like, oh, <laughs> didn't see that coming. Yeah. OK, you ready for some questions? Let's do it. Yes. Okay, so let's see what you've sent my way. OK. I saw these come through and I almost looked at them, but I was like, no, we got to keep it. Keep it fresh. Here. Keep it authentic. Mm-hmm. OK. John says cold call plus male blind offers simultaneously. What are the pros and cons of cold calling the same blind offer mail list at the same time? Is anyone else doing this or have direct insight? Does doing one first, then waiting to do the other make more sense? If so, in what order? And um, I would love to hear your thoughts on this approach. That's something that can be tested. And in fact, we are testing that right now. I was now. just going to say, yes. wow. So what we are, have been doing is we you know, we send out our mail like, like normal, and then we send that list to the cold calling company that we're working with. And uh, about 30 days later, they're actually starting to call these people. So, and their, you know, their script is kind of like, hey, we sent you this offer, you know, we're calling to follow up on that type of thing. So, you know, I don't have the numbers yet. I don't know how this is working, cost per deal, any of this kind of stuff yet. We're like in the initial stages and we're just trying to figure this all out, which I will report. I'll report all the, you know, all of our progress as we go. But a couple of initial observations are that a lot of the people that, they make contact with, they don't remember receiving an offer. Interesting. Yeah. Some do. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, some will say, okay, well, you know, the price is too low, too low you know, like, I, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. We have all kinds of responses, but a big percentage of them don't remember receiving an offer. It could be because we're reaching another family member that it wasn't addressed to mm-hmm. that, you know, like there's all kinds of variables. So it, it'll be interesting to see. So in that type of scenario, is it better to just cold call first and then mail? Is it, you know, so we can experiment with all different ways to do this, but it's something that's being tested and I'm sure we'll it share can work it. in numerous ways, yeah. but we're going to try to figure it out. Interesting. Yeah. So. Cause we need to get to the bottom of the, why they didn't, did mm-hmm. they not open it? Did, I don't know. Right. Okay. So we need to have probably an episode just on kind yeah. of going mm-hmm. through all the, we will. Again, yeah. the facts don't lie. So we'll need all those numbers. Okay. So Ryan says opinions on flag lots. I've been sending mail to counties that are very rural and just had two leads come in that are similar. One of the leads is a flag lot. First of all, why don't you say what a flag lot is? Yeah. Flag lot is a, uh, they call it a flag lot because if you look at just kind of the parcel outline, it kind of looks like a flag. It's got a narrow pole mm-hmm. and then it opens into the big part of the property. So the narrow pole generally is a, a very limited amount of road frontage. And then it's just like a long, narrow path that opens up into the property. They do that because the road frontage is the premium, but you still have access to that roadway, to that main part of the property, which is way back there. The now, pole is normally like a driveway. Is it, in theory, that's what they're, it's supposed to be your access in your driveway. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, once a property is developed and everything, there's a lot of kind of benefits to having uh, that flag lot. You're not on the main road, but you've got access to it. So it's kind of a, not a bad situation. When you're going to sell those properties, though, it's a little harder to sell. Not impossible by any mm-hmm. means, but you're going to have people bringing up the objection like, hey, it's going to cost me really a lot, all this money to put in this driveway and it's going to cut, you know, it's going to make it more expensive to build, meaning that I want to pay you less for that property than something with road mm-hmm. frontage. So that's the kind of thing that you run into. So I would just adjust for it a little bit, you know, just if you're looking at comps and, you know, don't compare it specifically to one that has a lot of road frontage. And if you do, you know, you want to uh, make an adjustment off of that, so to compensate for that that flag lot. Okay, so, so. the rest of the question is, um, okay, one of the leads is a flag lot where the gravel access driveway is the only road frontage, and it goes back to a nice large property. It's 19 wooded acres, gentle hills, no floodplain. The lot does not have any utilities currently, but it has electric access at the road. Mm-hmm. The other lot is 40 acres and looked like it was landlocked, but it has a deeded access through, and then it's, the rest of the question's not there. Oh, okay. All right. So, so in this situation, yeah, I mean, those are, that's typical flag lots. You mm-hmm. know, you might have a driveway in there already. You might, it might just show it on the map and you actually have to establish that, that driveway in order to, to build or whatever you're going to do mm-hmm. on it. But both types of scenarios happen a lot. And, uh, you know, you just have to adjust accordingly for it. So. Right. So the consideration is just that it's, it, it is expensive. Like the longer the driveway, the longer the cost. Yep. And you may want to consider if you buy a property like that, you may want to, in a situation where there's actually like, it's just trees and woods mm-hmm. in order to, that, where that path shows on the map, but on the ground, it's like, there's nothing there. You may want to hire someone to actually clear that out so somebody could easily like walk back to the property at least and see what it is they're buying. So they could visualize like this is a driveway yeah, so we, or we area. We do that uh, quite a bit. So and I've sold them without doing that, but I'd probably leave money on the table when we do mm-hmm. that too. So Have you ever found it where it's not actually big enough for access? You got to be real careful. You know, there are, there are some guidelines from county to county. Like normally it's at least 20 feet and 20 feet's kind of the you know, pretty much everywhere is good with 20 feet. Some, some places, I guess, is 30 feet. But uh, sometimes you'll see it as narrow as 12 feet. So you just need to make sure that that's, um, you know, that that's acceptable in that county in order to build. Right. So. Sometimes it just has to do with the fire trucks being able to get back there, how far back it is, being mm-hmm. able to turn around. But yeah. just check. Next question is from Mike. Always double check the names of anyone who responds to you. Just a reminder that if anyone responds to you, even if their property is junk, always double check their name in the county database and see if they own any other properties. Why am I laughing? I don't know. The junk? I don't know. That's yeah. funny. Today, someone called in and their property was junk. Okay, Mike, you're making me crack up here. And I searched and found they own 14 other properties in the county that look pretty valuable. Don't assume relatives or even the people themselves know how much property they own. Always double check. It's funny, though. People do forget about properties that, oh, yeah. I do own like 18,000 acres and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. I would sell it. Well, the crazy thing, and this and Mike illustrates a really mm-hmm. good point here because when you're sending out letters, you know, basically you compile this list, you know, say a particular county and you've got all these names on it. So someone like this seller here is going to show up on that list 
and they've, their name is listed like 14 times. Mm-hmm. You're not going to send them a letter to every single one of those properties. I mean, you can, but we don't recommend it. You would trim off most, if not all of those, except for one. And then on your letter, it says, hey, do you own other properties? You know, let's talk about those too. But in this situation, you know, the guy responded, whoever responded and had a, you know, wanted to sell this property, but you're not interested in buying it, but you want to look it up. So you, you could say, okay, well, they've got a bunch of other properties. Mm-hmm. So I don't care about that. This particular property, you didn't look it up ahead of time. Those other properties, they might be some gold there. So you definitely want to talk to the, any of these sellers and say, ask them, like, what other properties do you have? Like, what, uh, what else can we buy from you? Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And after so. you do close the deal with them, you ask them, hey, do you have anything else? Because we've done that a Multiple times, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've we've purchased uh, numerous numerous times. We've purchased from the same sellers. Mm-hmm. Like they miraculously come up with these other properties that they you know want to sell. So once they know you're legit and you can actually close, mm-hmm. and they get cash in their pocket, and they're like, "This is actually pretty good. I can sell more properties one? to them." So yeah, we've we've got numerous sellers that have, we've done that with. So um, Tracy says, "Winter. What's everyone's thoughts on sending mail to counties that are covered in snow in the winter, like the Midwest, the Upper Midwest, and the Eastern states? Is it a waste of time and money?" I think it depends how cold you are. Really? You know? Yes. You know, stuff like, you know, the really northern, northeastern states, the really Midwest, North Midwest type properties. I would kind of shy away from those during this month because because they're going to kind of go into a little bit of a dormancy mode. They're hibernating. Uh, yeah, they're they're kind of hibernating. You could still you could still sell properties. You could probably get good deals during this mm-hmm. time, but just know that it's not going to be the most active land selling market when you go to resell it. So as long as you buy it with that in mind, you just know like, hey, I might be able to pick up some really good deals right now, but uh maybe till the spring thaw, till things start kind of heating up. When do you start sending mail again then? Oh, we send mail all year round, but I'm just saying I might avoid some of those states. Those but like for those states, when would you start again? Okay, well, you know, I'd start sending February, March-ish, something like that. Okay, so still capitalize on that There's there could be big amounts of snow there, so they might be more yeah. likely to want to ditch it mm-hmm. with the thought of, okay, I'm going to hold it a little bit longer than normal, but it's going to be ready to go, especially if you've got to do any clearing. No one's going to clear in, you know, under... Right. I don't know how it's much It's probably snow. the best time to buy, mm-hmm. but the worst time to sell, obviously. So if so. your whole system is that you pick it up during the bad month, not bad, but during the slow months, mm-hmm. and then you know going into it, you sell it mm-hmm. in those months, that's fine. You're, mm-hmm. you're That's a business system. Mm-hmm. It's just that don't expect to flip it really, really quick Yeah, or to get anything done because no one's going to, right? Is someone going right. to clear it? Like under, I don't know, feet of snow. I don't know. Clear, probably, you know, like brush, clear yeah, brush. Like no, 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 you're not going to be able to yeah. do anything like that. You're not going to be able to do any sort of like perk testing right. or surveying or any of that kind of stuff. So so you got to wait till the, the snow's gone. But I'm not saying that any of the states that get snow are off, off limits during that time. It's There's just like the a, deep freeze ones. Yeah, the deep freeze ones, you know, like Maine. <laughs> um, you know, places like Colorado can get pretty uh, Wyoming, you know, mm-hmm. like all those places, Wisconsin, you know, Minnesota, they get, they get really like frozen in this, this time of the year. So it's tough. Um, but other states where, you know, they get some snow, but it melts, you know, and they get more snow and it melts, you know, like those, I haven't had any problem selling in those states during the wintertime. Fair enough. So I have one more thing I wanted to ask you about. I don't have a the thing. It just kind of popped in my head, but we had mm. like a weird situation. Was it this week or last week or something? This where, week, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's interesting because you hear a lot about fraud. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, we don't wire because of fraud or we don't do mm-hmm. this because of fraud. And, and oh, we see so much fraud. Mm-hmm. I don't think we see so much fraud. Mm-hmm. However... Yeah. Yeah, this situation was interesting. This was a deal that was brought to us through a partner. Uh, they had gotten a property under contract, so they had all the communication with the seller of this property. Mm-hmm. They presented the deal, and we looked at them. We were like, okay, this is this is a deal. So what we did was we uh, do our normal process, and then we attempted to open the transaction with the title company. You know, And as part of the title company's job, they research the seller. They do everything to get the deal uh, to, to the closing table. In this case, the first title company rejected it. They didn't really give any reason to say, we can't do this deal or whatever. And we didn't have uh, an established you know, title company in that area that we worked with. So it happens every once in a while. Some of them don't like to deal in like pieces of land, really. So what we uh, so did- So that was, wasn't like a, it was just no, kind of like, whatever. No, it just like, happens whatever. sometimes. So, so our team, that we, they send it to another title company. 
they sat on it for a little while, and then they got back to us and said, hey, uh, we can't do this deal because we did a little bit of research, and we don't think the person that signed this deal is the actual seller. So what had happened was there was some sort of red flag that they discovered, and they called the actual owner of record that through that they found through uh, another means, like skip tracing, or they looked up their information somehow. And this person was like, no, I'm not selling my property. So what it turned out was that some other person was impersonating the seller, and they were going to try to get the proceeds from this deal closing. Now, obviously, they weren't smart in, in how they did it because it <laughs> didn't go through, but uh, but that's what they were attempting to do. So turns out that uh, this was a uh, fraudulent person that was trying to impersonate the seller, and ultimately, we figured it out, and we canceled the deal, and you know, it, it never went past that, but... Mm-hmm. You know, just be aware of those types of things may be out there. So. Right. And and there was a couple of things like they wanted to email only, mm. which is not odd, but mm-hmm. but maybe the fact that the title company didn't want it, the first one. Mm-hmm. But the big thing is this is why we use title companies. This yep. is why we use escrow companies. That's, that's their is- job to verify the seller is who they say they are. Mm-hmm. That's one of their jobs. And, uh, you know, hopefully avoid any of those types of scenarios. So, you know, deals are going to fall apart sometimes for various reasons. This is the first time we had a deal fall apart for that type of reason. Mm -hmm. Very odd. But I'm sure it's probably going to happen again in the future. Right. And and it's okay. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't a real deal anyhow in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't want to be pressuring. That's the never the goal is. And we want buyers who actually are sellers who want to sell, you know. So anyways, interesting. That's why we really stress to use a title, closing attorney, Mm -hmm. escrow, whatever it is in your state. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Well, uh, just a quick reminder Mm -hmm. of where you can find other resources from us. First of all, landconquest.com. You can check out the community there, all the training in there which is available at no cost. Turningprofit.com has got a wealth of investor resources as our podcast intro says. I don't know if you ever listened to that. Investor resources. Yes. I don't listen to Which is basically our income reports, yeah. 50 first mm-hmm. deals. It's got like, I've been on like, I've appeared on 60 plus podcasts. Those are all linked in there, not our, just our own. Mm-hmm. And uh, so also just some case studies that we're doing with some of our students and things like that. Oh yeah, so. those are actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. Especially people who have used the Partner with Pete yep. program and interviewing them. Yep. So if you've got a deal, go to partnerwithpete.com, mm-hmm. submit it on there and i and my team will look at the deal and if it's a deal we will agree to move forward on it and fund the deal and hopefully each of us will make a really good profit on it so you forgot one if you we always get asked can we invest in these deals oh yes if you if you have funds kind of set aside as um you know sitting in a IRA or 401k or even a bank account talk anything to like your that. tax professional before listening to pete's advice oh okay well i'm just saying that that uh, we are, are always looking for people that are looking for a better return on their investable money, and meaning that you can lend on these uh, deals that we're doing, these highly discounted land purchases that mm-hmm. we're doing, and we pay a really, uh, I think, a really uh, good rate of return uh, just to, to borrow those funds for a short amount of time while we conduct this land flip. But anyhow, if you're interested in that, go to lender.turningprofit.com. There's details of that program there, and if it sounds like it could be a fit, then we'll uh, schedule a Zoom call and, and talk mm-hmm. about it. So yeah, we're not act, like right now. There's a little bit of a delay just because not actively searching. But if oh. this is something of interest to you, I don't want to promise that we can yeah. do it right, you know, right away. But it, definitely get on that list and get a call set up, and yep. then you can kind of get on the wait list for that opening right. up. I guess that's it. Where uh, yeah. can they find you online? Oh, at Partner with Pete. That's my Instagram and TikTok name. Oh, TikTok. Wow. Yes, I'm on both, and I'm not doing any dancing, but I am posting business land flipping type. Uh, videos. My God, thank God for small, small gifts, right? Yes, that's a large gift. You don't want to see me dancing around. Well, we'll see you next week, right? We'll see you then. Bye. All right, bye. Ready to start turning profit yourself? Head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game. See you on the next episode.